On this episode of Quantum Week, July 14th through 20th, 2002. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year. We talk about movies and music and headlines. And this is a weird week, right? Where we're doing, uh, are we doing, we're not doing all 2002, are we? Yes, we are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. All over the place. So we're in 2002 this week. And on this episode, we're doing Road to Perdition and Hot in Here. Hurry by Nelly. By Nelly. Yeah. So it's a typical week. And then uh, on Saturday, we're back with K19, the Widowmaker. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I'm sorry. I'm all over. uh, Yeah. But this is, uh, we're talking Road to Perdition. And um, I I, I love this movie. It's a beautiful film. I love this film. I, I love this movie so much. Um, later on, we're going to talk about our top five movies of this decade, which is the first, the, the aughts, if you will. Yeah, the aughts. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, so, um. There's so much about this film that I could say. It's, it's gorgeously shot. It's the most beautiful film I've ever seen. Probably. I couldn't think of anything better. It is beautiful. It is, it is. Conrad Hall is a cinematographer. Uh, he won the Oscar for this. He had also won the Oscar for American Beauty. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he does, and he won a th- he's won another Oscar as well. He, so he won three Oscars, but he actually won this Oscar. Uh, he was dead. That's right. He died soon soon after this. Posthumous uh, Oscar. He won. He, he died in January. This movie came out in the summer of 2002, obviously. Yep. And he died in January of 2003, and then uh, the Oscars came. And uh, so when he was working this movie, he 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 may have been ill. This, this movie took a long time to come out. It was shot, and it was supposed to come out kind of for the Oscar season in yeah. 2001. And Sam Mendes asked for additional time. Is it because he needed to edit it or we don't know? We don't know. Uh, I mean, this movie is so, so beautiful. Every shot, every, every ounce of this movie has great meaning and it's visually like beautiful and it's, it's the acting is, is great too, but the way it's kind of put together, it almost, you can see the labors of love that went into it. Particularly for a movie that doesn't have a lot of dialogue. It doesn't feel like that. It feels no. like you're getting the story the entire way through, and it's just because of how visually um, expressive it is. There's no bad scene. There's no. no bad look. Everything looks amazing in this film. No, it's a perfect movie, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, yeah. I don't use that lightly. Uh, Silence of the Lambs is a perfect movie, in yeah. my opinion. There were no no bad scenes, no bad, no bad actors, no great, brilliantly directed. Right. This is the second movie we've covered that is a, a perfect movie. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be an interesting, I think, battle there for the top spot for maybe. me. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so... This movie was based on a comic book. Yeah, I saw it. By that. Max Allen Collins. I used to read Max Allen Collins as a kid. He wrote for Batman. Oh. Um, so in the 80s, he was a, but he's also has written a lot of crime type. He's written novels as well. I believe he also wrote the, remember the movie Batman with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton? You know, of course, the, yeah. Yeah, so he wrote the uh, adaption, the novelization of that as oh, well. Oh, he did, okay. But he's, he's done a lot of stuff with Batman and things like that. So I've he kind of always had Max Allen Collins in my life. And he this was originally a graphic novel. Um, that uh, Sam Mendes took and then and then brought to the screen. So some changes, like for instance, instead of it being Mr. Rooney in the comic, it's Mr. Looney. Oh, okay. Um, and I believe it's Mike O'Sullivan, not instead Mike, of Mike Sullivan. Sullivan. Um, and there were a couple other small changes, but but most of it is is pretty. I think uh, is pretty well adapted. You um, read? You did you read it? I read it a long time ago. Okay, um, so you're familiar with that. Yeah, you were at the time. I was. It's hard for me now that the movie has now become. It sort of replaced it. Yeah. Like I've yeah. seen this movie a lot. I, I mean, I really feel very passionately about this movie. I haven't seen this film since probably early 2000s, actually. What'd you think? Oh, I, I mean, it. it's, I think I, because of my maturity level, I've, I think I, I loved it then. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was a beautifully shot film, but I, I appreciate it way more now than I did. That's why I think it goes. I, if you would have asked me beforehand, will this overtake my top spot beyond sounds, uh, you know, above sounds of the lands, I would have said there's no chance even though I know how beautiful the film right. is, but then now it's, it's definitely a question for me. This is close. Yeah. They're both close. Yeah. Um, um, can, should I give a little bit of a yeah, synopsis? So, synopsis? Right. So Mike Sullivan, who's played by Tom Hanks, he's an enforcer for the Irish mob um, during prohibition era. And uh, he's basically the adopted son of the mob boss, John Rooney played by Newman. Mike's Mike Sullivan's oldest son witnesses a murder by Rooney's real like blood son. And basically with Connor and in response, Connor orders a hit on Mike and his family and uh, ends up killing his wife and youngest kid. Mike seeks vengeance and safety for his, his surviving child. Right. So yeah. if you haven't seen this movie, please shut this oh God, podcast just go off see now this film. and go watch it. This is a movie. I just, I, you know, it, it's, I don't, when people ask me recommendations just in a life, even before we started this podcast, sure. 
I try to give, you know, hey, Chris, what's a good movie? I try to, like, give movies, not that this is, you know, unknown movie by any chance, but it's not a movie you usually see in a lot of... You don't. It wasn't nominated for Best Picture. It's just not a movie a lot of people, you know, uh, talk about a ton, um, but this is one of the first ones I give out. Um, yeah. I just, because it's a movie that a lot of people haven't seen, so if you haven't seen it, please go check it out. It's about as about as good as it gets. Yeah, pretty much. Um... Yeah, so let's let's get into the. What do you want to start with? Oh, uh, I mean, we can talk about the cast is phenomenal. Let's the acting it. is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, Tom Hanks. This might be Tom Hanks. This is my. This is probably my favorite role of his. This is I my think second. He's so good. Second favorite. So Thomas subtle. Role. You see the anguish and oh, yeah. pain throughout the entire process, but he can't be. You know, he's a he's a tough guy. He can't be so expressive. The way that he he interacts with do his kids. Do you believe him as a tough guy? Oh, I fucking believe him. I do too. Yeah, it, it is a little bit of a hurdle just because of our familiarity. Not, it's nothing against no, Tom Hanks. No, not at it's all. Just because of our relationship. Tom Hanks has been in our life for forty years. So. But also the way that it's shot really helps too. Like you're always looking up at him. Like he's always so giant in this film, so imposing in this film. I love how in the beginning the film uh, the son doesn't really know what. The son is like a twelve year old boy. Doesn't know what his dad Tom Hanks does for a living. Yeah, that's right. And every time you see Tom Hanks, so he's shrouded. Yeah, he's either blocked by certain things or he's shot in a certain way. So you can't really ever get a real take on him. But then once the son realizes what Tom Hanks does for a living, then you see Tom Hanks in in full. So it's it's a it's an interesting choice by Mendes there. Sam Mendes directed this. Does an amazing job. Yeah, he does not get enough credit for this movie. No, he also directed American Beauty, which won Best Picture. And he also has directed 1917, which, which almost won Best Picture. I just is, saw, and that's an amazingly shot film, too. It's, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, different cinematographer, that's Deacons. After, yep, right. Who, he started working with Deacons after Hall died. Yeah. Um, but, so, I think if you say, what are Mendy's top films? Those two would be the first one people yeah, mention. Yeah, in my which mind. is fair and fine, I yeah. guess. Although I think American Beauty is vastly overrated. No, I mean, 17 well. is better than American Beauty, in my mind. Those two sure. are, are his best. But those are the two that people... But yeah. this one kind of slips through the cracks a it little does. bit, and it shouldn't, because this is, in my opinion... His best. And I it love, is his best. I love 1917. Yeah. This is a much better movie. And I love 1917. This is a better movie, but I... Yeah. I really love 1917. Yeah, might film. be the best war movie ever. Yeah, it's a great But film. I really love this movie. So, um, but what... Okay, so what was Tom... What's Tom's best role then? If Castaway. It, yeah, he's great in that too. Yep. And it's it's in some ways it's a harder film because it's just him, him the entire time. Yeah. I think we both agree those two movies are vastly superior to what he's most you know, his most awarded films, like Philadelphia, Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, the back-to-back yeah, Oscars he won. Right. I think this is, these movies are, are his 2000, Castaway in 2002, Road to Perdition, are, in my opinion, the Tom Hanks peak. Yeah. Not the 93, 94. Of, I'm with you uh, on that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Then, Tyler Hawkland, I think is how you yeah. pronounce his name. The kid is so fucking good. This is one of the best kid performances I've ever seen. He's really good. They don't ask him to do too much, which is smart because I think he is limited. He's since grown up. He's become an actor. He's he a, has. He's he, in like WB stuff. He's in this. He's the Superman in that Flash yeah. CW universe. I haven't seen any of that. Uh, he was in Seventh Heaven for a while. Yeah. You know, and he he's a he grew up to be a good looking guy. He yeah. Played uh, college baseball. Um, in fact, he was more dedicated to baseball than acting. And then oh, he really? got hurt in college and he kind of washed out. And then he went back to kind of acting. And, uh, but uh, he, in this, he has a lane and Mendy's direction and also doesn't, probably doesn't hurt having scenes with Tom Hanks and Paul Newman. No. Um, and they, he comes off looking like a great actor. He I does. don't know if he is, but he's great no, in this. He, uh, he looks great in this. Yeah. He does a, a phenomenal job. He doesn't overact. No, um, he doesn't. He looks like his father's son. That's the thing. He's very Tom Hanksy in, in this, I guess. He's yeah. very like, like that character. You could tell. They, you, you feel like this is the son. He looks a lot like the little brother, too, which helps. He does, yeah. You know, like this family. And Jennifer Jason Lee, great casting there. Right. Because you have a relationship with her, so you care about her. So yep. when she does die, it's, it's so much more than if it was an unknown actress. And I know Jennifer Jason Lee, she's probably like, oh, I'm only in this movie for like 20 minutes. Is it, she impacts. No. But, she, but because we know her, and you know, yeah. we love her from Fast Times and all the movies she's done, when she does die, it is palpable. Was it weird to you? It was weird to me that Paul Newman is the only person nominated for an Oscar in this film. It's the only actor. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was a tough year. I looked at it. It's a tough year. It is. So uh, a couple of things there. So, um, who else, I guess, other than Tom Hanks, who should have been nominated? Who else should, who else would you have nominated? Um, I would Jude law potentially even, even Daniel Craig, I think is, is awesome in this film. Daniel Craig's really good. In this. I don't think there's enough there to nominate someone for an Oscar person. I don't think there's enough there. I th- I've seen some like a uh, midnight cowboy, which we just talked about. Right. The um, I can't remember which woman in the film was nominated for. Yes, uh, it was, and she was in for like five minutes. It was the older woman in right. The, yes, I know, I know. Well, so they, I kind of. But they're extremely objective. Goes in, of course, from uh, yeah. a few events for minutes. Yes, but, right. So the supporting actors that year were Chris Cooper, who won for adaption. Right. Uh, Ed Harris for the Hours. The Hours is not a good movie. The Actually, movie I haven't is, seen the Hours. Oh my god, it's so boring. Uh, Paul Newman wrote a perdition, so you already have Newman, and then Newman was better than Craig. Newman yeah, is so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. 
You're right. Uh, John C. Riley in Chicago. John C. Riley is really good in Chicago. I haven't seen Chicago. Um, you haven't seen it? It's got a bias against musicals. I should probably uh, see it I sometime. Chicago's not a great movie, but he's good in that. And yeah. then Christopher Walken, who's fantastic in Catch Me If You Can. That's true. Think about that year for Tom Hanks. That's Tom true. Hanks is in Catch Me If You Can, mm-hmm. and he's in this, and doesn't get nominated. I know. That's crazy. He should, Tom Hanks should have absolutely been nominated for this. I think there's bias. When you win two, no one wants to give you the third. Because did Nicholson win this year? He was in uh, About Schmidt. Or he, oh, he didn't win. He didn't win. He, he was, was nominated. Uh, Who he won? He was nominated. Uh, best remember. Actor. Uh, I forget now. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, it, was a, it was kind of that a That year was crazy because Daniel Day-Lewis was nominated for... Um, Gangs of New York. And, I, and he should have been a supporting actor. Right. Right. But yeah. More... Because uh, Leo's probably the... More award fraud. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. That's right. Yeah, this is this is a tough, kind of a tough year, but this wasn't even nominated for best picture. Let's go. Let's, I know let's that's go crazy. Best picture, too. real quick. That's crazy. Chicago won. This movie is leaps and bounds better than Chicago. I, I uh, agree. Gangs of New York. So Gangs of New York. I'm is a, a big fan of that. I film. am too. Yeah, I love Gangs of New York. Um, Gangs of New York is we did our top five of of the of the decade. Sure. It, it it's in my top ten. It's not my top five, but it's in my. Top, I really love Gangs of New York more than most. Maybe yeah. you feel the same way. Yeah. I do. Another movie that's beautifully shot. It is beautifully um, shot. Oh, but, it's so vibrant. But this is a better movie. This is a better uh, movie. The Hours, which is so boring. Haven't seen it. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So, I, I mean, there's one. a special place in my heart for those films, but I still think this is a better film than that. And then The Pianist, which is directed by Roman Polanski. That so is I, I a haven't good seen film. It. That I, is a good film. I have issues, uh, moral issues with Roman Polanski. Uh, there are a couple. Ninth Gate and The Pianist are amazing films, and I hate to say it because he's a fucking scumbag, yeah. but those are great films. I have a hard time watching them. If they come up for the show, I'll, I'll watch them, but I, I try to watch other things in my spare time. I hear you. Um, but uh, but yeah, so this movie should have been nominated. Should have been nominated, I mean, absolutely. So screen, the screenplay got uh, nominated, didn't yes, it? Yes, I believe screen, so. It didn't, didn't win, but it, but it got nominated. It did win for Best Cinematography. It did win for Best Cinematography. That sound editing and maybe score were the three that it won for. It was nominated for six. I thought it only won one. Oh, did it really? Oh, yeah, I think it was right. nominated for six and only won one. I can't. Yeah, you're yeah, right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Which is which is a shame because this movie actually, actually sounds great as well. The sound is the phenomenal. Score is sweeping. Score is phenomenal. Thomas Newman didn't even get nominated. Very good score. Uh, and it's in the way they like go dead quiet sometimes too. Yes. When you know when uh, when Tom Hanks' character um, shoots. Uh, and and kills uh, Newman and yeah. and you know in that that scene where he steps out of the you actually you don't even see him he's from the dark place right. like shooting his Tommy gun blowing everybody down there's I don't think there's any sound there and it's slow mo and yeah. it's but you see the rain and just these bodies falling it's crazy no sound and then in the end death scene too say, very no empty. sound well, crazy the, the waves just the waves the waves crash waves and it's it's just and just there and it's it's a uh, you know we're so in tuned in our lives and in our filmmaking um we film watching film our whole lives waves typically mean peace yeah and there's that the, room there's, too and the room all sweeping light I, I, that's the type of room that i love on the ocean yes completely like white a lot of yes. light looking out at the ocean that's like comfort oh, and home oh, to me heaven. Yeah. yeah and it's just brutal yes brutal um, so did you not like Jude Law though? I think you made a little bit of a he's, sound to he's it. I think good. he's really good. Uh, he's a little overacting going on there. Uh, so there's a lot, there's I mean, a he's lot ca- going he's on. He's a crazy dude. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. He's definitely chewing up scenery, which is fine. He's good. Um, I think it's a bit much with, there's a bit much with him. So his, him making him so ugly. Is I know a, with his fingernails a, and his teeth, teeth and, and his, like, hair. The, his hair. His hair. His hair is bad. Like Jude Law is famously like bald. They just let yeah. him go bald. We don't, you know, that's fine. Right. But they still made it even. That was even was weird. weird. Like they were just trying. So like, uh, you know what? Yes. I, I understand you probably don't want like ju- handsome Jude Law being. No. But you, but I think there's a middle ground. He becomes a cartoon character and it's like, eh. I wonder what he was, what that character was like in the, in the comic books, actually. I think he was ugly. It was, too, yeah. If I remember correctly. I wonder if they, I, I wonder if I should read that comic. I never read it in 20 years. Yeah. It might be an interesting to, yeah. see, to see what so their choices movies, were like. This movie's a great rewatch, too, because there's so, because there's so much detail in every single shot. Yep. Has so much detail. And it's simple detail. When I, when I say detail, I don't mean it's cluttered. No. I mean, it's just everything has a purpose and a meaning and it's shot beautifully that you, you just get swept up in the, the way it looks. Right from the goddamn get go, get go. Oh. you see uh, Michael, the the um, the eldest son, biking against the grain. People are all walking against yes. him, and then and then it, it continues, and he, he turns into his driveway. So you're seeing seeing him from the back, and he's going up his driveway towards his home, and it's sort of a far away shot. And all of a sudden, his brother peeks out from beside a tree, hits him with a snowball, and he and he falls off his bike. It's so cool, and at the same time, you see the the teal um, uh, garage 
peek out of the snow right there. It's so vibrant, like you can't help but catch your eye to it, where, you know, kind of the violence is, is hid away in the house. Yes. It's such a cool yeah, that, shot. That, Just right in the beginning. The garage is a dark place. It is. You know, like, you know that there's, yeah. there's stuff going on there. And it's funny, so the, the very, you know, the very first time we meet the youngest brother and, you know, very, very beginning, I think even the credits are still rolling, uh, this younger brother sneak attacks. That's right. Which is kind of foreshadowing yep. to Tom Hanks getting snuck attack at the very end of the movie. Right. Another thing I really love about this movie is a detail that I know that wasn't done intentionally because who would have known, but it, it now works out so poetically. Tom Hanks is about to kill Paul Newman. And Paul Newman says to him, I'm glad it, I'm glad it was you. Right. Which... I took because I'm a big film historian, like nerd guy with this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is so. This is that was Phil. Phil uh, that was Paul Newman's last line in a movie. You Ever? Know, it, not counting Cars. Oh, okay, yeah, of course. Or HBO miniseries. Yeah, him and a, him in a real feature film, that was his very last line. Wow. And I take I take it as I'm so glad it was you, meaning that he kind of passed the baton of America's favorite actor to yeah, Tom Hanks. That's crazy. Now that uh, I'm doing no, but. It's, it's nice, but it's it's a cool way to look at it. You know, it's like because Tom Hanks now is what Paul Newman was twenty years ago. Yeah. People love if you're a younger listener, maybe you don't you don't really know, but Paul Newman was loved, and it's a different relationship with Jack Nicholson and Al Pacino. Those guys were always kind of bad boys. They were. Paul Newman wasn't. Paul Newman was someone people just loved and liked. He's raised like a billion dollars for charity. Has had the same <laughs> wife for a very long time. Joanne yeah. Woodward, just like um, you know, an actress, just like Paul Newman. Had, I mean, uh, Tom Hanks is Rita Wilson. It just and it just. With Paul Newman, is someone you just felt like you just could hang out with. And, you know, like, you could grab a beer with. You could go and just talk to. And Tom Hanks is that same, you know, yeah. charisma, if you will. Yeah. You know, Paul Newman's a better-looking guy than Tom Hanks was, yeah. obviously. Uh, but and uh, but yet they had still that same kind of thing. It was like America's actor. And I, I feel like that was kind like of passed a, a passing the baton there. That's a good way to look at it. Um, what about Daniel Craig, though? Really goodness. I think First time great. I saw him was in this. So this, I didn't have any relationship with Daniel Craig. I saw him in Layer Cake, I think, before. No, that was after, I believe. No, uh, maybe. I think it was. Maybe. I think Layer Cake came after this. So this is, I believe. You might um, be right. And, and this is, but regardless, this is the first yeah. time I really had seen him. Um, and I remember thinking he's an odd looking guy. Very odd. And then I saw him Glassy later, eyes. later on in Munich. And he's oh, yeah. very good in Munich. Yeah. Which is another underrated movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I remember thinking, this guy's a really interesting actor. I got to keep, and of course, then he comes to his mind, but it <laughs> wasn't the person's underrated anymore. But you're but. so used to seeing him as the hero um, now because of James Bond. And even though he's kind of like, you know, he, he's sort of a, he kind of plays a bad boy, James Bond a bit. You still see him as like, is the moral character as the hero. And he is just completely not that in this film. It's this weird, like, because my relationship with him is so different now than it was at yeah. that time. And I just see him as this crazy, you know, he's just this crazy sociopath and, and like completely off the, off the, off his rocker in this film. Um, I learned a little bit of the difference between a sociopath and psychopath and sociopaths are the ones who like can't hold a job down. Like they're just emotionally fraught all the time. They're not, they're just not as systematic. And that's what this guy is. He's just, he just, you know, goes with his emotion, kills random people, not random people, kills people. Uh, just out of bloodlust and whatever, you know, well, fake honor and entitlements, right? Completely jealousy. They make a really good. Oh. Uh, Mendes does a really good job showing the jealousy of him uh, that he has over the relationship that that Newman's character has with Tom Hanks. It's one scene too. It's one it's scene. Newman and Hanks are playing piano together. Yeah, and um, just the way they sit down and even greet each other. They don't even play a note. The way Newman greets Hanks when he sits down next right. to him, because Newman's playing the piano as it is, and someone sits next to him and you're playing the piano, it's a little bit jarring. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. right. But Newman is so warm to him, and then when he plays, he's so happy he's playing with him. Yeah. You can see it, and of course, Newman has great blue eyes. You can just see you see his whole soul in those eyes. Yeah. And, uh, and then Craig's reaction, but you don't even need Craig's reaction. No. Just seeing Newman welcome Hanks, you know that they have a very good familiarity, and, and they just that's the son that he wishes he had. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, instead he's left with this entitled, you know, asshole. And on, in my mind, he makes the wrong choice. I mean, I know that blood for a lot of people is matters more um, than other things, but, but he chose the psycho, the sociopath son over, over the, not that Tom characters, oh, oh. Tom, not, not, not Tom Hanks's character is moral. No, but he's, but does he, but it's the realistic. So we talked, I remember a couple months ago, we, yeah, we yeah. talked about, uh, in one of the headlines was Charles Wang from Wang computers. Yeah. And he was, and he died, whatever this week we did with 1991. And, but he had originally given the business to his son. Right. Who then ran into the ground. <laughs> and then the last minute they had to then, um, give it to somebody else. And by then it was, you couldn't save it. 
but you, you know, I think there is just that thing where you want to, I've worked for businesses where they've given it to the son and just, and that's just how it goes. I, get it. I mean, yeah. I think that's that relationship between a father and son, especially when you're a father and you're eight, you're getting older and that's, that's your like, that's your whole, that's your thing. And it was his downfall though. Like that oh, choice was, was ultimately his, his, his downfall. Yeah. It killed him. It really killed both of them. And it that's did. what Tom Hanks tried to tell me. He says, listen, no matter what he's dead anyway. He's dead anyway. Yeah, when you go, no one's gonna. He, you, he's off. Like he, but he's Paul not consistent. Newman, you but know, Paul Newman's character can't sell out his own son, though. That that would uh, no, have been I realistic. Know. I know. You know that without that, it was an impossible. What Hanks was asking was impossible, and Hanks was almost kind of a goof for asking him. It's true, but I could. Can you understand from his perspective? I've done. You know, yes, you brought me off the street. You gave me a place. You gave me a family. But I have been so loyal to you. I've even kept the wolves at bay on your son. Like you know, he's already killed a guy. Shouldn't have killed him. You know that he's uh, that he's stealing from you behind your back. Um, I've been. I I can absolutely identify with Tom Hanks's character in at, at this point and being like, I, I've done everything that a good son would have done for you, and you choose the, the you're this because of blood. Yeah, this fucking sociopath. That's how it works. That's how it works. I know. Um, the, another part of that scene though, the jealousy scene where uh, it's at it's at this wake. Yes. Um, there's this lighthearted section where a band is playing and it's up-tempo and they're dancing. Mm-hmm. And I found this such an appealing scene to me because you, you see like a lot of other films that do dance scenes where they're, you know, it's either a bar room or it's this ballroom if it's a period film. And it, they just, it's this huge like choreographed thing that goes on for 30 seconds or a minute. This was this choreographed moment for just a second. And it was so beautiful. And if they would have lasted any longer on it, it would have looked so contrived. But because it was just a second and they moved on from it, it was it 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 like it hit me like a fucking brick. It was so beautiful that. And then I also want so the other scene that really hit me hard. Uh, I mean the whole thing does, but when there so after um, Daniel Craig's character kills somebody and he's at he's at the table with like all the mob bosses. Yeah, and he's he's basically asked to apologize. Right. And he doesn't do a very good job of it because he's a fucking sociopath. Everybody he's and a terrible job. He, he does a terrible he even job. He has to be like, Paul Newman's like, try again. He gives try him like again. three takes oh. on it. Um, uh, Paul Newman's character, uh, <laughs> he dismisses everybody and they go upstairs, but Con Rooney sitting at the table and he's out of focus as everybody walks away. Yes. And the camera's yep. getting closer and closer to him as he's out of focus until right at the end and then they put him in focus. Uh, it's just such a, like a powerful, powerful scene for me. Like this guy is is he is out of his wits. He's a crazy motherfucker. He can't do anything right. You know, he's the black fucking sheep. Yes. Crazy. And everyone knows it. And everybody out. knows it. Like that whole table is all like kind of the movers and shakers of this world. Right. It was like the Chicago mob world. And uh, everyone kind of, you can even see the look in their faces. They're like, oh, this kid's such a fuck up. Totally. This kid is so worthless. Totally. And and Newman even sees it. And that's what happens. I think Newman gets so angry because he realizes he's like, you know, not only do does does everyone know, I also know my son's a fuck up, and it's just so frustrating. Yeah. Um. There was an interesting scene. So I, I was kind of doing some research in the movie, and I didn't know this, but Al Capone was in this movie, and it's played by Anthony Gopalgia. Oh, I didn't know they showed him. I know they referenced him because uh, Stanley Tucci says Al at one yeah. time. Yeah. So they have a whole. So I went through the. I had the DVD. I went through the the, the hidden feature, whatever. The, the, yeah. the removed uh, deleted scenes, and there was one. Uh, they show it. It seems awful. It's him. Uh, Paul Newman's character, uh, Frank Nitty, played by Stanley Tucci, yeah. and the Jude Law character, all in the same room. Oh, really? It is so bizarre, and it doesn't. And then Anthony Gopalgi is like trying to like overact as as Capone. Uh, it's really, it is like the most jarring thing. I'm like, it. I'm like, oh my god, this, this is such an obvious scene to edit. Like, it wasn't even quite. Like, yeah, yeah. This, it doesn't this is fit the tone thing. of the movie. It's like yeah. played very much like kind of for a laugh. It's very odd. Yeah, it's a very odd. scene. You don't need him either. Yeah, the DVD. Check it. I know there's there's a lot of deleted scenes. I didn't watch all of them, but this one I think is like meet Al Capone or something like that. It's uh, but if you have the DVD, check it out. It's very bizarre. And <laughs> it's bizarre. It's not not good. Um, kind of the last thing for me is just the the father and son um thoughts basically where you yeah. you know you've got. You have one is sort of the adopted son uh, with, you know, Tom Hanks's character yep. and Daniel Craig, the blood son, plus, you know, uh, Tom Hanks's sons in this. You have Michael and uh, was it Peter? Peter's yep. the one that dies. Peter's the one that dies, yeah. And, my, you know, Michael, the, the older son, you know, feels like his dad loves Peter more than him. And there's that this whole yeah. kind of bonding that happens through this real tragic event, you know, for six weeks while they're on the road and, and, uh, and, and stealing things. I just... You know, the father thing is a tough one for me. Like I've always felt and personally, like I, you know, I haven't really had a very strong father figure. And I, I, I feel like this is this hole in my being because of it. I would have been taught 
I don't know, maybe whatever. I'm a good enough guy, but I I just wish I had someone that I could have relied on in the way that way. And even though Tom Tom Hanks is like a this he's a killer. He's an enforcer and a killer. I kind of like wanted him to be my dad. <laughs> he's a good dad. He's a good dad. He's a really good dad. Yeah. And uh, so this scene hits me emotionally too. Like, yeah. So my dad, my dad died when I was 15 yeah. and I have a younger sibling. She's seven years younger than me. And it's just, it was a girl. So my, and younger. So my dad was always very, very much like nicer. I guess, yeah, nicer yeah, yeah. and kinder to my sister. And right. my dad kind of kicked the shit out of me. And I could have easily had that same conversation. And just like that, so I, I'm not seeing chokes every time. Oh. And uh, and it's just like, oh, that's like, you know, that's, and you hope you're like, you know, there's a scene right, right after that where um, Tom Hanks is sitting with the older couple or the older woman. Yep. And then uh, uh, the younger son, the son is is kind of farming. And uh, the yeah. woman goes, you know, he really dotes on you. You don't, don't notice it. And the look that Tom Hanks gives the son is like heartbreak. It's it like, is. oh, you know, and it's like, oh, you hope, you know, you hope, you know, it's like, and you know, sons and fathers, it's, it's quite, you know, it's quite a <laughs> thick is. relationship there. You know, you hope the dad, you know, you hope your dad knows how much you love him and you hope your dad loves you as much as you hope. You know, it's yeah. all that, you know, unspoken stuff between men. And it's, it's very powerful. And this movie is definitely, a, oh man, it hits you with a wallop. Yeah. And even though the, the ending is really dark, um, one that I couldn't remember, and I was so glad at the end, at least this little bit of solace that uh, that Tom Hanks's character knew that his son was going to be okay before he died. I couldn't remember. I, I couldn't remember if he died before Jude Law. Like, I couldn't remember who shot yeah. Jude Law, Jude Law's character. I couldn't remember that. And I, I just felt, after seeing that, I was like so, uh, I don't know, I was at least slightly uplifted that he got to know that his son was going to be okay. So in the comic, the son kills Jude Law. I, that, that was how I remembered it, which was wrong, of course. Yeah, and yeah. that was an issue Max, Max Allen Collins had with the, with the movie was like, hey, the whole point is that you can't escape your, but kind of what you're supposed to be. Like right. you, can never, you, can never, like, you can never really change what you're fated to be, you know, and he's supposed to be a killer because his father's a killer. And, and you see violence happen, like he gets into a fight with a kid at school. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, so... Uh, do you, which ending do you like better? I, I kind of like that it ends up that he's not a killer. Yep, me too. I vastly prefer it. Because in the comic, the son becomes a priest. And you're hearing this from an adult point of view. Right. And that's kind of the whole... So the narrator is actually an adult. Yeah. You know, go, going to be a priest. Um, but... And there's even reference to it in this movie. He's like, oh, what's your favorite class? He says Bible studies. That's right. And that, that's kind of what that nod is for, I believe. Right. But um, in this, he's, he's innocent. He's innocent when you leave. You know, he, he's yeah. able to walk out of that house and go with those old, those old people and be innocent with the dog. And right. I, I think that's, I like that better. I know it's maybe a bit more Hollywoodish and it's not as dark, but I don't think we are also fated to be what our fathers are. I don't no. I think that's a thing. That's a, it's a false flag. I don't it think is. that's true. Yeah, I agree. And I would have had no moral, there would have been, you know, normal, no moral issue at all if he would have killed Jude Law's character. But I, I, I vastly prefer it this way, where, yeah. where, um, you know, where Mike, Michael Sullivan, you know, decided, Tom Hanks' character decided, I'm going to end it myself, basically. And then, and that was it. And then his son was free. And his son says, I couldn't. And you know what? In real life, a lot of people can't shoot someone. That's true. My dad would always say, don't own a gun unless you know you're going to do it. That's and, right. And you know if you're going to do it. You know in your heart if you're going to kill someone, if you, if you have the ability to kill someone or not. A lot of people don't. Nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all. No, no. This movie wasn't well reviewed. Wasn't no. Sorry to say it. This movie wasn't um, a, you know admired with great reviews when it came out. It, it got like a lot of three stars. Even uh, you know Roger Ebert. Ebert gave was, three stars. And that's pretty much what people said about it. They said yeah. it's this beautiful film, amazingly acted. Right. Yeah. But yet they never really. People didn't really. And I think a lot of it had to do when it came out. It came out in the summer, which so not usually when Oscar movies come out. Usually they come out in the you know October, November, December is when Oscar movies come out. This doesn't feel like a summer movie either. It, it doesn't. Like it wasn't supposed winter. to be. Yeah. You know, Mendy's. You know, and that's another. It kind of got. It didn't make. It made. It made its money back. Um. Oh, I saw it made over a hundred million. Uh. In. Uh, it cost eighty to make. It made, it? Okay, made about a yeah. hundred domestically, and then you know you have you made another like whatever eighty internationally, but then True. you also have other marketing costs. So it basically kind of broke even. Yeah. Um. So it didn't. It didn't do super great. Um. But so it didn't do super great. It didn't get crazy great reviews. It got some Oscar nominations. Um. But. It, for some reason, it just never quite went over the hump. I still don't understand why. I don't get it either. If I'm Mendez or Hanks or, or any, like I would be, this would be one of my proudest achievements doing this film. You know, I, just, I like, I would, I would look at this as like the most fond. I, Tom Hanks should be so proud of this film. This Munich and uh, Cinderella Man are the three movies that I, around the same time-ish. Yeah. It never got the, like, 
award credit it deserved. I mean, it got nominated for Best Picture. I don't mean like that, but it's but it never really was a, a, t- a title contender. And it just feel like those three movies just kind of just got kind of I don't know lost. If we do it, uh, we pro- we might be the only people who would put this in our top five in that decade. That's the thing is, I made my top. We can get into it. I, yeah. mean, I know we both did our top five. So this is my top five. This is not the top. You know, I could have just done chalk yeah, exactly. and said, "Oh no, Country for All Men wins," and that's it. And right. that's but it's not. It's not. No. Oh, before we get into that, one yeah. last thing. Sure. Is this your? Is this the best movie we've covered so far? I. It's almost like a dead tie for. I mean, I. I think so by just a hair, just a hair. Yeah, it's so hard because it's so hard, and I might. It might be recency bias too that I'm getting, even though it hasn't been that long since we uh, watched Silence of the Lambs. I watched like two months ago. Yeah, I know, but still, like you, you have the emotional. Con- it's easier to ha- to find the emotional connection to it if you've just seen it. It's. I think it. I think it. Uh, yeah, I think just a little. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna put this at one. It's ahead for me as well. Okay, it, it, it wasn't as hard of a decision. It's um, hard for me. That. Uh, no, this is Sons my. Of the Lambs this is, is like, my. Pit, you know, this is my yeah, top yeah. five. Yeah. It doesn't. So that's. So these are. There are gonna be things that resonate in this movie. Yeah. That you know might not resonate. You know, like you know, father and something has a you know deep impact for me. You know, I'm guessing a woman might not watching it might not have the same. You know, that's true. But this is my top five. I'm not. I'm not taking any critics or anybody's you know opinion on it. But um, I know Silence of the Lambs is much more revered. It's one of the best, you know, it swept the Oscars. It's it's a it's a classic. It's one of the greatest films sure. ever made, for sure. Sure. Um, but I enjoy, or I think that Road to Perdition is a better movie. It's maybe my number one movie. Okay. I mean, I'm there. If people it's, want, it's really if close for me. People want chalk. You can go to the AFI list and look at that. And you'll be all right. This is the top five. But yeah. you know, I think I think a personal list. And I mean, my top five is going to have some odd movies on there. I think it's a more interesting discussion. Um. So yeah, so we're both in. Yeah, so this is going to get the Ackroyd then. The Ackroyd, yeah. The Ackroyd. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, yeah, this will be my number one as well. Wow, Road to Perdition. I know. Good day. Such a great film. Um, Loved okay, it. top five. Top five. You want to go backwards? Let's do it. Oh, I think this is the most underrated film of the decade. Oh, I like it. History of Violence. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great pick. Viggo Mortensen, yes. David Cronenberg film. Yes, Cronenberg's um, best film. Yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I think so. Uh, with Ed Harris, William Hurt, oh. it is a great. It is a sh- like kind of a. I never. Maria really Bello's good. That's a good. Yeah, movie, it man. is. A, it's a great film. It's a really good movie. I think it. it this is the one that I was like, Viggo Mortensen is a fucking stud yes. when I saw this. It's great. If you haven't seen it, um, Hitman, who sort of like has a second, goes on, leaves his violence behind, has a second life elsewhere, and it, it like through a series of events, it catches up with him. And he has to sort of come to come to terms with his. Can he come to terms with his really real violent past? And can the new people in his life come to terms with that? It's a great film. So it's fantastic. It's a great pick. Not my top five, um, but in my you know probably my top twenty. It's a yeah. really good movie. It's a one. That's a, it's a fantastic pick, man. Yeah. If you haven't seen History of Violence, check that out. That's check a it out. Great pick. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big like Lord of the Rings nonsense. I know and whatever and people like that stuff. So yeah, Viggo like Mortensen doesn't have any. But when I, I saw that. that I'm like, holy this shit, guy. this guy yeah. is legit. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic pick. My number five, this is the only movie in my top five that was nominated for Best Picture. And it won. Uh, Million Dollar Baby. That's a great one. It's uh, on my top ten, I would say. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was some I mentioned that just missed here. But yeah. my number five, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, this is, uh, I never cried harder in movie theater. Oh, the last, heartbreaking. I, I don't give any away, but the last 40 minutes, I'm just bawling the entire time. I'm, heartbreaking. I mean, I'm sure most people have seen it, but... Um, it's it's just just the way it's directed. This world you're just instantly sucked into this world of yeah. this boxing uh, universe and and Eastwood. I think Eastwood is better in this Million Dollar Baby than he is in Unforgiven. I think you're right. Um, Hilary Swank is fantastic. She's great. Morgan Freeman is is very good. Um, doing he's Morgan Freeman's doing Morgan Freeman, Freeman yeah. things, but uh, <laughs> uh, but even like uh, was it Margot Martindale plays Hilary Swank's like white trash mom. That's right. And it is brutal. Yep. She's really good. Uh, it's a great movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Obviously, but I'm sure most people have. Million Dollar Baby is number five. That's a good one. Signs is number four for me. Oh, just missed. Oh, I wanted to get on this list. That is a fantastic. Is, this, your list is great so yeah, far. This is my this is my favorite ah. M Night Shyamalan film. It has one of my favorite scenes in here, which I think I've mentioned before, where the aliens are trying <laughs> the aliens. The aliens are like breaking into the house. Right. Yes. And uh, and Mel Gibson t- takes his kids aside to try to calm them down and like tells them the history of like their birth, like the first time that, you know, your mom held you type of stuff because their, their mom had died earlier on in their life. It is such a crazy scene. And uh, I love this film. Yeah, there's, there, uh, God. so Sixth Sense to me is a better movie. It is. Uh, but I, when I'm, I love this film more though. I, 
That's a great. That might be a great way to put it. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with you. That one's this better, was yeah. ju- this might have been my number six. That was a just miss for me. I was like really torn on that. It's, yeah. I'm glad you included it. That that is a great pick. I really I really love Matt's list so far. I was kind of hoping to make fun of you and talk with you. <laughs> uh, my number four is uh, Castaway. That's a great one. Um, it's not. I don't think that's in my top twenty, but it's a great film. There are some flaws that people. Oh, well, Helen Hunt's you know character gets over Tom Hanks' character <laughs> too quick, and you know some other things. But I just. I don't know that character, Chuck, you know, along with like Rocky Balboa, there's a few characters that I just root for, like to an almost insane degree. And Chuck from Castaway is someone I just like, I love. You just want to like, you just want to hug this you guy. You do. He goes through <laughs> and, it. And just like, man, like this guy is someone you just, you just really care about. And Tom Hanks is, in my opinion, never better. I'd almost say maybe no actor's ever been better doing anything. That's a tough one, it's maybe. In that, it's very good. It's in that argument. Yeah, uh, it's very you know, good. Might be, you know, it's definitely in that discussion. Um, and Zemeckis does a great job with this. It's He keeps it, just one guy on island. You know, you forget there's a director editing this and, and, and shooting this. Yeah. And he does, he does a great job keeping the action. I'm never bored. I could have spent, Christ, I could have spent hours and hours more than I with them. I know there's runtime issues. I yeah. could have spent eight hours on island. You could have made that a Netflix mini series i would watch every 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 episode i love that movie. it's a great one uh so next is number three number three so number three for me is no country for old men okay i mean it's, now it's gonna get kind of standard i think for me okay um yeah i mean obviously this is probably number one on most critics lists right um we talked about it before it's a great movie we both we both like it yeah, yeah. Both like it a lot. so this is your number three you all give it like an a minus though right would you give it an a uh a minus but it's so close like all a right. minus is like a 93 94 all right all right yeah all right. You know, on task. What do you got? Uh, my number three is Road to Perdition. Okay. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be on my list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number two for me. Is Road to Perdition? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we're close. I think we might have the same number one. Um, yeah, so, of course we so, do. Num- so number two is Road to Perdition for you. Number three. So yeah, we both. Yeah. All of this movie. Yeah, yeah. My number two, uh, The Dark Knight. That's a good one. And it just missed for me. Yeah. This is probably top 10. Yeah, uh, I just think this is just so so brilliant. It just it does everything right. It yeah. does everything that you'd expect from a superhero movie and more. I mean, just Heath Ledger's performance and just the intensity and the way it shot the score. The, it's just it's so good. It's it's no one that is best. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. And our number one, we can say at the same time if you want. Ready one, one two, two, three. Royal, Royal Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums yes. Of course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Royal Tenenbaums is a movie Matt and I both both really love, love, love and admire. Let's do a quick couple minutes on Royal Tenenbaum. So, uh, directed by Wes Anderson, Gene Hackman is so good in this, but I think Ben Stiller is better. Ben Stiller is great. It's He's the heart and soul film. of this movie. It is his he best. Is. Oh, yeah. it's, it's almost every season, but all best movies <laughs> doesn't get much better <laughs> than this. True, yeah, uh, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow is fantastic in the this. The Wilson brothers are fantastic. Oh, so they're good. so yeah, they're amazing, heartbreaking, and wonderful. So much detail in this movie um, from. This, the set to how it's shot. That's the other to, thing. It's another beautiful film in terms of how it's shot. It is so vibrant and it's yeah. So, it's the thing is if you kind of look at this movie, maybe look at my list too and your list to some extent as well. Castaway, um, this uh, Road to Perdition. Yeah. Very unique films and all shot with great attention to detail and it, 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 with all those things. And that uh, history of violence is another movie that's beautifully shot. Yeah. It is on your list, and the violence. So is science. Scientists, science is some great cinematography, and science is fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, they have to. They've got to. You're right. They got to catch your eye. And Tenenbaums does that. I, I mean, Wes Anderson is really good about. He's very quirky, but he's very detailed in in his quirkiness, and it's one of the reasons. Sometimes why I like the quirkiness goes a bit a it bit does. too far. Uh, I'm not a big fan of like I went and saw like Isle of Dogs. I'm not. I'm not a big cartoon guy either. No. That didn't work. Uh, some of the other stuff doesn't necessarily always work or land. Rushmore is, I, I, is right. very good. Right. Rush. Well, Rush this one. Uh, so Royal Tenenbaums and then Rushmore is my second favorite. Yeah, I'm gonna say we're, yeah. we're on lockstep there. And there's some other like uh, Life Aquatic I think is pretty good, but it's not See, as that amazing. As, That's I think a great example right. of going too much too yeah. far. And, uh, and I went in and wanted to love that movie and I just sure. I walked out like barely even like liking it. Yeah. Um, uh, but yet Royal Tenenbaums. And the thing is sometimes Wes Anderson puts this style over the substance. He gets a little too he does. into this like trying to be quirky world. When at the end of the day, like the Rushmore, you know, you have this this young guy that just feels completely left out and trying anything he can to fit in. Yeah. And then with Royal Tenenbaums, you have this family that's trying so hard to be a family and uh, and failing. Family. And um, those two things are things anyone can relate to. Absolutely. Everyone at some point in their life has felt left out. 
everyone at some point in their life has felt like their family's completely fucked up, but every family is, but you know, everyone has had those emotions and understand what that means. Yeah. Um, but then like life aquatic that some of these things that they kind of forget the human element. Yeah, Wes they, Anderson I can, see can that. do that. Yeah. Um, but Royal Tenenbaums, um, huge heart in that film. So good. Yeah. Such a good movie. So I, I actually really like your list. Your okay, list is good. really solid. I was wor- a little worried about a history of violence. Such, that's, a really, that's a really, and signs a great pick too. Yeah. You knew I liked that already. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's uh, Oh, signs is so good. Joaquin Phoenix in Signs. It's the one time he plays like a normal guy. Yep. And he's so good at it. It's the one time he plays really like a weirdo guy, which all right, we know it's, it's great, but he's really good in that movie. He's great in he's it. He's like human in it. I'm surprised. No Scorsese. No. Um, Games New York just missed. Uh, yeah, me too. And then I was going to say no. Um, like uh, the only options were really Kill Bill. No Tarantino. And, and no right. Tarantino. Uh, Kill Bill and. Um, well, Glorious Bastards. That's on my list too. In my top 10. It, top 10. Right. It just missed just my top missed. five. Yep. There's another one. Uh, so my six would have been, I think, Signs. And my seven was going to be Inglorious Bastards. There, there was some really tough. Making this a top five was really hard. It was. I mean, obviously, like in 10 years, you know, there's a few great yeah, movies. Yeah, you got but, Children of Men, Donnie Darko. Actually, yep. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I don't I do, know if, okay, so that's what I hate. You hated that film. Hate oh, movie. I think it's so beautiful. Oh, it's so boring. Such a beautiful film. Ugh. Um, but a ton, tons of like 25th hours, another one that we know, really love from I this know. decade. So you, you, there's a lot, there were a lot of great there ones. Were a lot. Hard for me. I will say though, at the end of the day, though, honestly, I think it's a pretty weak decade for movies. Do you really? Yeah, we can have that even another time, but yeah, yeah. that's a, uh, I don't think it's a particular great decade. Um, and I think a lot of the movie, I think the awards missed the boat a lot. Yeah. And even like the nominations missed the boat. Like I said, like, you know, with this movie, Road to Prison, it doesn't get nominated for best picture. Like, what are we doing it's, here? It's, I know Munich got nominated, sense. but then Cinderella Man, I know, right. I, I just think it's Cinderella Man is such a better movie than, um, the movie, uh, How, uh Beautiful Mind that Ron that Howard is, won yeah. for. So yeah. Ron Howard wins for a Beautiful Mind, which but is, doesn't win for Cinderella in a very weak year. Yeah. But then, yeah. And then doesn't even get nominated for Cinderella. I don't know. But, um, Road to Perdition, the best movie we've seen so far. Absolutely. Shall we move on? To uh, Corn- Cornell Iral Haynes Jr. <laughs> oh. And that's the song. <laughs> I was listening to this with Laura, and Laura goes, "This, you know, she's like, you know, I've, I've heard this song, you know, for years, but she says there's really just not much to it. Nope, that's it. I was like, no, and not. it's not bad. Like, I love, I love that vibe. It's a fun song. I love that vibe, and he's fine in it. Yeah. But really, there isn't a lot of talk about in this song. So we're gonna end the music. No, we're not. So there's uh- a <laughs> my eyes are up. I was like, that was great. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no, uh, I did go almost through- made my Sunday there. <laughs> so actually, it did win. Um, it, it was the first ever. Grammy for male rap solo. They they just oh right. uh, they just added that um, into the Grammys that year and it won. He wrote this with Pharrell too, which I hate for that, that happy you know, song. That, I, that's, um, that's, but doesn't it? If you think about it, doesn't it have a bit of Pharrell yeah, sound? It does. It does. That's what that's what that element is, right? And actually, that's what I want to talk about a little bit. Okay. So this there. Okay. So the sample that he used uh, is called. It's from Bustin' Loose by this guy named Chuck Brown. Here it is. Uh, the piano is different, but the groove is the same. The drums are the same. Bow, bow. I'll be honest with you. I'm having a hard time picking it up. No, I mean, I hear, I hear, hear I heard the song. I'm having a hard time picking up the sample. You know what I mean? Like usually when we play a sample, it's like, oh, oh it's, it's like, oh, that's a, yeah. it's a clear pull. It's, that was, a, that seemed like a lot, a lot more nebulous. So, okay. So the rhythm is the same. Okay. The drums are the same. The keyboard uh, rhythm is the same, but the notes are different. So there, there's, it's more of, I think he took the drums as a direct sample and then overlaid the other stuff as more of like a, a, like a nod to not, an, not, not a direct sample. That's it sounds it like, like we're me. hearing the Nelly song, but like slow motion. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too, is he, uh, they do play with speed there. Yeah. So, um, this song, so that song busting loose by Chuck Brown, Chuck Brown was a, uh, go, go, um, musician from the sixties and seventies. Now, Go-Go was this, this is where I got down to this, this like little rabbit hole. Go-Go is this like very region specific subgenre of funk and R&B music that only really existed in the Washington DC metropolitan area. Okay. In the 60s, right. 60s and 70s. It's so strange. Um, but the, so the, how like you would describe this music is that rhythm. It's like, boom, boom, boom. It's like that that groove, that Nelly groove. And then it was very popular in dance halls and they wouldn't break between the songs. They would keep going. So all the songs had the same basic like um, 
you know, beat, uh, beats per minute, like this, the same fast or slow, right? And they would just kind of play the same song for like three hours and dance to it. Okay. Sounds um, like hell to me, but okay. It's kind of funny. Uh, so I was looking at Wikipedia because so you, you've, we talked about this in the Sting version. Wikipedia is now sometimes like including some theory elements when they're talking about the songs or when yep. they're describing the songs. And we talked about how they wrongly said that. Uh, yeah, 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 this thing was wrong. Was wrong. A, yeah. It was in the key of A, but it's actually in the key of D. And this one, um, they, they put a little like uh, snippet of, um, of like a drum machine to describe the go-go rhythm. And I'm going to play that for you now. That is the squarest, like whitest thing I've ever heard. Does that sound anything like this to you? It's like, it's just, no, that's like, like the most computerized, quantized version of a rhythm I've ever heard that they put. Like, why wouldn't they just put an example of the, of, of one of the songs in there? Maybe you don't have the rights. After, yeah, but, well, they, they link to, or link to it on like mm. something or YouTube, yeah. but instead, so, um, Warden of the North, who's a guy who's a fan of our show. Great he's Warden a, of the North. Great one, right? Very good musician yes. um, in his own right. He turned me on. I'd seen this guy before, but there's this guy named Rick Beto who um, does a lot of, he's he's like a famous producer. He's a great musician, um, probably in his like 50s or something and uh, worked with a lot of musicians. And he does this YouTube series, a few of them, but one of them is where he'll like break down songs in a, in a really cool way. Yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. And he has like all the rights to it too. So you can hear each, like he'll he'll say, oh, here's the bass and here's the kit. And, and so you can really kind of get deep dive into some cool things. Right. So Warden turned me on to him again. I, I'd seen him in the past, but... Beto um, did an episode where he just rails against the way that we record music now. Um, and it's like, and it's using like digital recording. We have the ability now to quantize, which means you can take an instrument and it's on a grid and you can align it. You can snap it to that grid so that it is directly 100% balls on the fucking um, beat. So there, there's no deviation whatsoever. And to a certain extent, that's a cool thing because you can really, you know, change a lot of if sometimes recording time is really expensive and you get a band in there and maybe they're not that talented, but they got some cool songs and the drummer kind of sucks. Well, you can kind of fix a lot of things really fast if you need to. Okay. The problem is people are kind of overdoing it and they're quantizing it directly dead on balls without like making any you got to move some things around a little bit. You got to play some things off the beat or it ends up sounding square as shit. Just like that fucking right, right. Yeah. <laughs> example from Wikipedia. There's, there's, a, there's a human element. To there's a human element. That's yeah. it. We're humans playing music. Right. And even in um, like rap from the, uh, the early onset in the, in the early 80s, late seventies, early eighties, they were using this drum machine and sampler called the 808. Even that, it was so square in the beginning. Rap artists were like, we don't fucking sound like this. They were they were programming the thing so that it would be off. Like the beats, some of the beats would be off a little bit just yeah. to give it a little bit of feel and, and human element to it. Right. They, they recognize like right away, this doesn't sound like us. And it's the same thing now. And same thing with fucking Wikipedia. But anyway, so back to Chuck Brown, Chuck Brown is like the godfather. If James Brown's the, the godfather of soul. Chuck Brown is the godfather of go, go. Oh, what an honor. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so that rhythm element, though, is really important. It's, it's like one of the things that's most descriptive to uh, to that genre. And this and it but it's sort of like so it's heyday in R&B and funk was in the six, like mid 60s to mid 70s. But it did change over time. I thought this was kind of interesting, like how how the progression happens to like a more jazzy feel in the 80s. Doom. Damn, damn, boom, boom. It's the same rhythm, but like you hear it's like smooth jazz in the 80s. Yeah. But then, um, so in the 80s, there's this band called uh, Experience Unlimited EU. They go-goed a Curtis Blow song. Do you remember the Cur- Curtis yeah. Blow? Like, and those are the breaks or whatever. Yeah. I-, I can't remember the song. Go-goed one of his tunes, which caught the attention of Grace Jones, who then connected them this band um, EU to Spike Lee to do a song for school days. Okay. One of his early films, uh, 88 actually. And that one is of course, do you remember this one? He says, go, go, be. Yeah. I remember this song. You'll get, it'll get to it. Hold on. Doing the butt. Doing the butt. Oh yeah. Right. This is in like, yeah. Junior high school dances. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Go Go became doing the butt and the next song. You like that song, man? Uh, yeah. So I'm a big, big fan of that one. Uh, <laughs> and then the 90s, it turned into. <laughs> to a rap element. Same rhythm, though. Yeah. Got bump. The bump. And that song is 30 minutes long. <laughs> so anyway, so it, so it just sort of like brought me down this rabbit hole of go-go music. But the, the sample is based on this sort of really weird, obscure subgenre of R&B from the Washington, D.C. metro area. So there you go. Good. <laughs> so do we, like the, do we like this song, Nelly song? Actually, I do like this song. I mean, I, okay. I think it's fun. Yeah. yeah I have no problem. If it's on, I would totally listen to it. I think the groove is fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's it's mindless. It's like you know, uh, eating like candy or something. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's just it's just there. It's fine. It's fine. It's tough to do. Like you know, this our show the concept of Quantum Week is so odd sometimes. And I guess that's just the week you're in, whatever. Sure. But like you know, we go from talking about something we feel very <laughs> so beautiful about, and passionate about art, yeah. to then have to like shift into like something that I. I'll be honest, with you, I just don't just don't care about yeah. you know like you know the last episode we did, which by the way is not canon like that. You know we had a guest on, so we want to talk about something that was kind of unique and different. Yeah, that's right. Um, but like the, so like uh, you know Midnight Cowboy is not going to be our top five because it didn't happen in our life. Right, that's the rules we play by. That's right. Um, but it was that that felt that was an easier time. You're talking about a great movie and you're talking about a great song. It was just like, oh, that, it just yeah, felt more organic. So, right. Wait, this is so jarring. It must be so jarring to listen <laughs> it's to. So, it's so Jekyll oh. and Hyde. You're like, all right, this is a great thing. And it's like, all right, so Nelly. I was thinking sometimes we might want to go backwards. Like if it's, a, if it's a song like this in the future, maybe it makes sense to just do that first and get it out of the way and then we can talk about something that we're really passionate about. Although we would have to communicate about that a little bit beforehand. It would sort of give away how I we know, feel about I things. I, I, think, I think the current structure. short. I mean, if anyways, it's kind of funny. Whatever, it is I funny. I think it's fine. Fucking I like it. Nelly. Uh, so this album, though, was very big for him. Sold 10 million albums. Had this song... Um, was uh, number one for seven weeks, but then another one, which I didn't know, Dilemma was on this album too. I don't know that song. It was 10 weeks okay, at number one. So I don't really know, I'll be honest, I don't really know a lot, ton about Nelly. <laughs> Me neither. Um, Nelly is, this blew my mind, is the fourth highest selling rap artist ever. According to the RIAA, I don't even. I, like, that doesn't, what? It doesn't make sense. To I thought me. he was like a one hit wonder. I mean, I know, I fully admit ignorance. I'll put ignorance Yeah, here, me but, too. But like, he is a. So the other thing too, I think, and this is my takeaway from, from Nelly, is that. So the first 10 years of the decade, he, he, uh, first 10 years of the decade, the first 10 years of the century, he was a, a, a big star. Absolutely. He, you know, did a lot of these songs that maybe Matt and I aren't familiar with, but still were huge hits. Yeah, huge okay, hits. Okay, great. He, his second act, like the last 10 years, he almost does things that are beneath him. I feel like if you're the fourth, big, you're, you're a big star. You are. But he does like really like lame projects or things that he, he's like an extra or like in barely in like these shitty. Yeah. It's some movies and TV. Like, 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 yeah. Like he did an Adam Sandler movie. That's fine. That, that's a fine. He was in the longest yard. Right. That's right. That's fine. Yeah. But then he's doing like CSI New yeah. York. Like, you know, small Do you roles? need the paycheck or like, I don't, cause that's what, I don't understand. I, don't understand. I, I understand if you're doing something systematically to try to increase your brand awareness, but like that type of thing. I'm pretty sure he played like a free concert after a Mets game. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but I, it, I, but I, but I think he's like doing these. He does these things that you sort of weird expect from a one or a two hit wonder, right. but he's not that. No, he's as not. much as I may think, or yeah, maybe, you think this is Tone Loke or something, right? It's not. But he's not. He's, he's had not. a great career, and he doesn't. I, I hate to say this is such an odd thing. I don't think Nelly's gotten the respect he deserves, <laughs> and maybe that's partially why. Uh, yeah, because he's just doing all these things that are weird that that seem very. Um, out of character for you someone who would be a star. If some people just don't have the best representation, so like, is his agent making him do these kind, or you know, suggesting these products that a better agent wouldn't? So maybe he has a bad agent. Well, I hate to bring up the devil, but Mariah Carey, I feel the same way. She's got an, she's an awesome talent, but she's surrounded by shitty like people who are writing shitty music for, her or like giving her the wrong uh, wrong ideas of what what she should be doing. I think it's a, I think totally this happens. But her whole thing is like being a diva, being like maybe better than she really is. Where Nelly seems to just do like these shitty projects. Like I, I almost want to tell Nelly, Nelly, you're a big like you're, star. You, you're, you can, you, you're badass, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you should go do really big things. Like I know, obviously. You know the rap game too is it's a shorter. I think I think you have it a shorter is. shelf. I mean yeah. all music. We yeah, talked about this. Yeah. I think a couple episodes ago. Like it's just harder to stay relevant as a musician for a long time. He's doing a reality show like Nellyville too for two years or yes. something. It's like what? Yeah, what, what, what are you doing? This? Yeah, are you the Osmonds? Like you're not a washed up musician. No, that's you're, my thing. You're not thirty I mean, years past your prime. Maybe he is now. Maybe it's been ten years since he's you know. 
But you still, you're the fourth biggest. You must have so much money, but maybe he didn't manage it. I'm really curious about like what happened with Nelly. We're going to have to get him on and ask him. He probably would do the show. <laughs> he might. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, you, know, Nelly, you really should be doing Quantum Week. I don't Come know what you're doing. We'll advise like, him. No, no, I'll go. No, no. That sounds good, guys. Yeah, sure. So, you right. want me to fly up? I'll, I'll fly <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> we should Jeez. fuck up. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, I have nothing else I know. No, me neither. So personal story. Um, I I don't have too much besides this was a really creative, like productive, creative time in my life. Uh, the way I was living in new fields in this converted garage, but it was this big space. That's uh, New Hampshire, by the way. Uh, new Hampshire. Yes. Um, with uh, five other people. Okay. But we had like a huge downstairs area, which we turned into a studio. So like it, it was set up to record and band practice. It was like constant music. Were I mean, all it was these other guys music. were all musicians as well. Uh, and girlfriends. So it was, yeah. there were three, three of, yeah, three of us there that were like playing together and, and doing stuff. So it was me and my buddy Rob were I, that, that was during my, my rap phase too. It was in uh, my band solid ba- uh, solid eight was playing a lot um, and we were rehearsing there and then I was doing some like uh, acoustic music with my buddy, my buddy Rob at the time too. So were you happy this time? It sounds like a fun time. I don't think of myself as every ever really happy. I think I'm happiest <laughs> now. Christ. I think I'm happiest now. All right, because I'm doing a creative project that I really love. That's partially thanks to you. Of course, I'm in a relationship that uh, that's really happy for me. I'm living in a place that I really love, even with all the turmoil in the greater world. Right. Um, no, I think this is my happiest time. Honestly, so you weren't in 2002. You weren't. Eh, I mean, I was always angsty as a kid and like trying I mean, I to fight and, and find my way and, yeah. you know, wanting to do pursue music and money issues and, you know, breakups and fights and all sorts yeah. of weird, stupid stuff. Like life is a lot simpler. Like I'm a lot focused on what the things that matter now than I was then more focused. Yeah. I remember like look back in my early twenties. It's like, I kind of tell stories like, Oh, I was in Florida for a couple of years and it's just with my friends and we all just kind of hanging out and getting drunk every night and just like causing trouble and just yeah. having fun. It's like, that sounds really fun. But like, but if you look at like, if you look at it close, it's like, no, well, I never had enough money. Right. I was like always like kind of like questioning. I was really nervous. Like what kind of career I was going to have. Yeah. I was like, would I, would I ever meet the right person? So you have all of these, Unknowns. It's almost hard to enjoy your early and mid twenties and late twenties because you're so worried about the future. But you should, but like, I don't know. I mean, if I if I could give my like past me advice, be like, dude, just relax, just, just relax. enjoy the ride. It's be and fine. Just like, like in high school, like you know, ask who cares if they say no. Ask any girl, ask the girls out or yeah, whatever. Who cares? Or just, or just go to that party. Who cares? And you know, just have fun. Stop thinking about. But when you're young, you can't help but think about. Oh, if only you know, if I do this or what's the future going to be like? Or sure. you're always worried about the future. At least I was. Yeah. It's like, you just enjoy the present. Like chill out, relax. Yeah. It'll take care of itself. It'll be fine. It took care of itself. I know. I, and I, but I was, I was kind of the same way where yeah. I probably didn't enjoy some of these moments in my life that sound so much fun as much as I probably should have. Right. Agreed. Um, um headlines. headlines. I do. So I have two headlines and I have kind of a, a, a nod back to, to movies there in a bit. Cause we just saw this movie so much. Yeah. Okay. So, I will be okay. I'm going to give you a pass here. I'm going to give Matt a rare pass. What? Of course. What do you mean? So you don't have to do headlines next week. Okay, good. A, I have a very long personal story and B dude. Is there nothing going on again? Oh my God. This week was <laughs> crazy. So I went to like four different sources and I could only really find two headlines that were even like really interesting. Yeah. Okay. And one of them's like a <laughs> wait, these headlines. dude, this was a week where nothing was. This is bizarre. Um, it's not even a holiday. I mean, it's close. To, it's a few it is, like a couple weeks week, after that. But yeah, even if you go to like Wikipedia, so I went, I do the New York Times. I read the read seven days of New York Times. Really, nothing <laughs> that interesting was going on. Yeah, you know, it was things like the stock market drops. I'm like, oh, we already talked. Oh, so like, cares, it's just like yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and uh, so I went to Wikipedia, and even that has it broken down by day. Right, and like it skipped like a whole week. Like this whole week is like empty. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god. So uh, on uh, July 19th, uh, a Speck Shadai. Now you ever heard of him? He's he's a he's a pitcher. Pitched the Yankees uh, and the Washington Nationals from or the Washington Senators. Excuse me, from 1947 to 1955. Yeah. Um. He he had a kind of interesting life. He was in 1947. He's a rookie, same year as Jackie Robinson. Oh yeah. And he kind of gets overshadowed by that. He's a white guy. Yeah. Um. He's called Speck because he had freckles. Okay. Um. And he uh he started three games in the World Series his rookie year, which he won. The Yankees won against the Dodgers led by Jackie Robinson. Did he win all three? I don't believe he won all okay, three. Okay, but they won the series. They won the series. And he pitched uh, three games. He had to win yes, something. Right. Right. He was a major part. He was basically the ace of a World Series winning team That's his fun. rookie year. And no one knows him. And no one knows him because Jackie Robinson was a rookie that yeah. year too, which, you know, and, but, but yeah, but they, they beat the Dodgers. Right. Um, but later on in life though, interesting, uh, he, Robert Redford gave him a call in the early 80s 
to help him learn how to pitch like old timey for the natural. Oh, wow. So Spec Shea went on site and he was on location and he was like the pitching coordinator for the natural. That's cool. So interesting career for me. Kind of a guy, he only pitched for 47, 55. He only won like 50 something games. Like he didn't have, but he had an interesting career. Absolutely. So what happened to him in uh, 2002? He died. Okay. Right. <laughs> <Dead>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on July 20th, uh, officials rethink proposal for building at ground zero. Now this is July 20th, 2002. Okay. I'm in New York city from 20 and I was working right. I was working literally on wall street right. from 2012 to 2016. And I, I, saw, I basically saw the Freedom Tower get built. Yeah. So it took 10 years for them to get their shit together. Like, that's crazy. Well, didn't it take... It was still a smoldering mess for, like, a year, wasn't it? I it think was. there were still, like, fires underneath and shit it, for a it while, took too. took stuff to clear out, but, like, yeah. 10 years. But there was so much government and, yeah. like, all this, yep. you know, what do we do? Do we have two buildings? Do we have one? There's so much, like, back and forth. The community leaders got involved. Yeah. It's crazy. such a clusterfuck. And then when they finally built it... Uh, you know, I know they had a hard time filling it at times too, because it's so big now. Right. And uh, I mean, what do you do in that space? I know it's a really tough, tough question to ask, but it was am- just amazing. It took so long for it to be built. Totally. Yeah. Um, and uh, my last thing is, I wanted to go over the box office top ten that week. Boom. Okay. Uh, it was a big week for us. Vertibition, one of our favorite movies. Absolutely. It was number one that week. Uh, it was the second week it was out, so it was uh, second week release was still number one, which is great. Right. They said we made about hundred million domestically, which is fine. Number two was a uh, Stuart Little two, uh, and it, it, so Rotavision made see one. So Rotavision, we probably will eventually. Rotavision won fi- made fifteen million, fifteen point four. Okay. Yeah, Stuart Little two made fifteen point one. Wow. In third place, uh, Men in Black two. Right. Well, that makes sense. That was huge. I'm sure the first one was huge. Both of those were huge. And that was that had been number one the week before, but that yeah. that kind of got bad. So that's a great example. So Rotavision was not number one its original week first week out. That's right. Man in Black 2 was because but Road Bridge was getting better buzz. Yeah. Um. Obviously. Number four is the movie we're doing to, uh, on Saturday. Was that K-19? K-19, The Widowmaker. Right. It's a Harrison Ford film. I've never seen. That's crazy you haven't seen that film. Mm-hmm. I haven't. You like Harrison Ford. You like subs. I subs are okay. Harrison Ford's good. Yeah. Uh, but it made 12-7. It's, it's opening week. So it wasn't a huge hit. No. It? No, it wasn't. Um, number five is Reign of Fire. Actually, I really like that film. Do you really? Do you know it? I don't. Uh, it's a Christian Bale film. With, oh, uh, yes. Okay, yep. Yeah, I have so not it's seen it. Dragons, but... Uh, uh, that's, that's why. I, it's a really cool film. Yeah. Really cool film. Yeah. I recommend it. Dragons. Uh, sixth place is in its fifth week in release. This is just a monster hit. Mr. Deeds. Oh, that's right. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure that I saw Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Uh, that's so a Sandler Winona film. Winona Ryder's in Mr. Deeds, and she's never hotter. It is peak Winona Ryder. Yeah. She is gorgeous in that movie. She's yeah. um, in seventh place is a movie called eight legged freaks. Which Spider spiders. Yeah. Uh, in eighth place is Halloween resurrection, which I think is directed by Rob zombie who right. was brought up in our last episode. Yeah, that's right. Uh, number nine, uh, one of your favorites Lilo and stitch. Yeah. It's a Nickelodeon cartoon I movie. S- I don't think I've seen that of course. <laughs> and then in 10th place, I don't know what this is at all. Uh, the crocodile hunter collision course. Yeah. Was I saw the, actually I saw this top 10 and was what's his face in this film. Was that the crocodile? Was that the, like, was the guy the, who died? Wh- Steve Irwin? No, I was thinking croc. Oh, maybe crocodile Dundee. Oh, crocodile Paul Dundee. Hogan. That's what I'm sorry. Yeah, I was it's wondering. A crocodile if- hunter collision oh, course. No idea. Yeah, mate. I think is that with, it feels with, that that's right same time. It feels right that he was in that. Is it was movie? the crocodile hunter. That, that feels right that they made a movie. Would you want to die that way? The no. way he died? No, no, no. He got a stingray. I mean, it's such a freak accident. Right. I mean, stingray like got a little agitated and. Sh- and but I think it happens quickly. Doesn't it? Just a, and yeah. Right. Dead, right. Right. It's not the worst way to die. Oh, no, it's a terrible way to die. I mean, you think bleed so? out. Well, I think it hit him in the right place and he bled out quickly. Yeah, I think it's terrible. He was such a charming dude. Yeah. I really liked him. I think kind of dumb though. Right? F- trying to get crocodile. What are you doing? Just, yeah, but just, he, he's, stop. No, he was just trying to expose the world to these cool creatures. How's that working out for him? The creatures well, don't like him. he's fucking dead. The creatures don't like him. One didn't. Oh, did you ever see that grizzly bear, uh, grizzly man documentary? Oh, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's what that's a, a psychopath one. that guy is. Warner Herzog uh, directed this <laughs> documentary called Grizzly Man by this guy and his girlfriend that go into the woods to try to become every friends year, with bears. Every year they go live with the the bears uh, during the summertime, right? Summer months. And he, 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 he wants to be, he wants to be the crocodile hunter and so he's like he's he's filming it like it's this 
you know, like it's this show, this Animal Planet yes. show, and he's no, like, no, it's not. No one's doing. He's doing this on his own. Tough. And it's he it's gets, a tough watch because he's not professional he, at all. No. He's just very sad. Yeah, you see him in different characters come out. Like, see, that's more sad. Oh, see, it, I, I think leave these animals alone. Why are we bothering them? Why are we going? Who? What is? What are we doing? Oh no, I think it's. I think humans should know the world that they're in. I think I, we know enough. What, what do we need to know? <laughs> we don't need to know anything. We need to know going in the woods, bothering these bears. They're gonna eat us. Going in the crocodiles. The stingrays are killing the the man yeah you're right why, why, Fuck why, it. for what for what uh because it's cool i love what do you not watch uh like watching no, nature watch this what you don't I, like watching so no nature so, documentaries like I planet earth them. i think it's so dumb you don't like the earth it's so boring it's they don't you know they're boring people, i love it no one says this either because everyone's like oh no we gotta pretend like we like i don't care you don't all. love i don't give a shit you don't love animals natures. you have your own, you own a dog i love animals fine i love i love my dog i wouldn't I, I can't imagine anyone's going to want to watch a documentary about my dogs, Wakefield and Melfi. No one's going to want to watch that documentary. Well, they're not compelling like a fucking crocodile. They're much crocodiles more compelling. They have personalities. They have personalities, but they're not lethal. These things are lethal. So I like watching. The, what's the compelling part? Why are people watching this shit? Yeah, I think it's because he, well, also uh, some of the animals like snakes and crocodiles and things that, you know, we're not so familiar with, they might get a bad rap as really aggressive or deadly. Uh, and they're not always like that. I mean, there's oh, give me a break. So this is like the kind or gentler side. I don't there's know. like Python. People I thought it was watch, really compelling. People, these idiots. And if you watch it, you're an idiot too. These I idiots guess. watch these shows because they want, it's like watching NASCAR. You're hoping for a car crash. No, you're I hoping, wasn't hoping for that at all. I don't never want to see them die or anybody bit or anybody hurt. I was just really, I thought that the animals were really cool looking. So just cool looking. You're just watching it to be just, oh, and that, the, that inter- nice. the interactions are cool too. I thought that he did a really good job showing that all these creatures that I don't, it's not like I go and see, we don't have crocodiles or alligators in this part of the world or these huge deadly snakes. Like we don't have that. We don't run into those things. And so to be able to see them, it's like seeing different landscapes on the earth. I'd love to, you know, the desert's cool because we don't get to see it very much. But see, I, okay, I agree. Right. I don't want to watch a documentary about landscapes. It's boring as fuck. But if I saw oh. the landscape myself, I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. Oh, uh, no, I would see. I mean, if, if, the, if, Things are set with a particular landscape. I, it would need to be combined with something else for, for it to be compelling with, compelling with me. I don't want to just see like, you know, pictures of the Sahara. But I pay, if I pay 100 bucks to watch the last interaction Steve Irwin had. You're a cruel, cruel man. I pay $100 man. right now on people. Cruel, they cruel man. $100 and yet right you like the Sandlot. You're so weird. <laughs> How are you this guy? <laughs> you don't like Steve Irwin, but you like the Sandlot. His fucking, ugh. I don't get it. That's all I got. Anything else? Oh, K-19 would a maker and another song, which I think is better, but I forget what it is. I don't remember either. Okay. Just catch uh, come back on Saturday. Uh, K-19, the Widowmaker. See you then. Bye.